So first things first, I hated this movie. <laughs> yeah. I really I really hated this movie. I think I watched it in like four different parts. It was a pleasure, honestly, to be getting texts from you about how much you hated this movie. It seemed to trigger something deep within your your it, your very soul, Ricky, that made you very angry. It really did. And then at the same time, it feels weird to talk about this piece of comedic shit on the day that uh one of the uh greatest comedians of all time like came back to life (laughs) amazing stuff yeah so as we record this it's the day we found out that bob odenkirk is alive at least after what's been called a quote heart related incident quote unquote which isn't a phrase i have never heard before but um apparently something very bad happened but he is okay now which is absolutely fantastic it's been great to see everybody on twitter saying such nice things about bob i mean I, it was really interesting for me just as a fan of mr show and all kinds of stuff to get to hear stories about this whole other side of him i didn't know about until i started listening to a comedy podcasts like five or six years ago which is did like, you like the, did you did, like the story that i shared about him today i did like that story yeah it was really good and funny well, you could tell that in one second. I was just going to say that he nurtured so many young comedians and was so giving of his time to young comedians. And that's obviously had a huge impact. And, you know, it's 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 really, really cool. But yeah, you now you tell your story. The story is that when I was a host at I Will Build, Bob came on to promote Better Call Saul. And it was like just months after, or maybe like within a year after with Bob and David had premiered and uh, the show that they did for Netflix. And one of the characters that they did on that show was a, a character that was called the Digital Soothsayer that David Cross did, which was this Australian accented man with big, spiky black hair and frilly clothes. And he was not loosely based off of a real person. He was very directly based off of a real person, a guy who went by the name of Shingy. Shingy. And he went by what was called, what he referred to himself as the Digital Prophet. And that was also his. Uh, job title at AOL yeah. was Digital Profit. Much when, made fun of in the press at the time, yeah. And and when the the sketch for With Bob and David came out, it was like one of their promotional sketches that was like on YouTube. And uh, it was immediately passed around to everybody in AOL. And everybody <laughs> thought it was hilarious and was like talking about it and couldn't believe that like they chose this, this obscure seemingly like obscure figure in media in tech to, to, to lampoon and, and not just like chose him in a way that was like, Oh, I think it's him, but in a way that it was directly him. (laughs) And um, so the sketch is mocking him mercilessly. So when Bob comes on for better call Saul, I'm in the green room with Bob trying not to fanboy out too much because Mr. Show is, you know, I honestly, I love movies, but Mr. Show is maybe, you know, top, three formative things for me in my life it's my sense of humor it's my my relationship to authority and politics and in media is all sort of formed in probably mr show and natural born killers um and he he's in the green room talking to me and all of a sudden someone comes in and says shingy wants to come in and say hi and the person who said that was my boss and had no idea why that would be the case that Chingy would want to come in and say hi. And I was like, well, you you know why he wants to come in. And she was like, no, why? And I was like, well, let me like ask Bob if that's okay. And like I asked Bob and Bob's like, um, yeah, bring him in. And so Shingy comes in and is and Bob is extremely gracious and nice and is saying hi. And Shingy is clearly like sizing Bob up and being standoffish and 
do putting on kind of an act of like so what's up what's up fucking, man it's so fucking funny just to picture shingy doing this because yeah, like you know he's like like bob's thing is he sweet. has like goku's haircut like that's yeah and so like bob's like what's up man how are you like it's so nice to meet you and shingy's like yeah what's up mate what's up you know like it, uh, almost like if you had if you had like gone to a bar and like you know bumped into somebody who like the week before had you know told your girlfriend to fuck off or something <laughs> you know like that kind of standoffish behavior right. where you don't want to say anything directly but you're not being polite or nice and bob plays it very well and then i think it's over and we we get on stage for the live interview which is being conducted in front of cameras live it's being broadcast online and uh, also it's in the AOL offices and Bob is like a really big deal at this time. Cause it's coming off of breaking bad and better call Saul is just starting. And so the audience is filled with like hundreds of employees from AOL and Shingy. And I introduce Bob. And the first thing he does is go, Oh, Hey, w- one second, hold on a minute. Um, I just want to invite somebody on stage. And he brings, he like almost like forces Shingy to come up on stage and he, Shingy gets up on stage and in front of everybody, he starts talking about the sketch and why they did it. And he's doing it with a smile on his face, like Shingy's in on the joke. But every time Shingy tries to say something, Bob just steamrolls him in this very <laughs> polite way and then kind of ushers him off stage. It's really funny. I mean, and, it's actually even it's I watched the video today because he posted it on Twitter and like um, it's great because he doesn't even call him Shingy. Here's here's how he brings him on stage. Bob says um, he goes because I think his real first name is David. He goes, yes. oh, hey, David, don't leave. Come on. Hey, hey, let's get him up here. <laughs> so it's like Shingy was like trying to like just slip out the door or something. And Bob was like, hey, David, get on up here. <laughs> it's very and weird. A, and he's so like to anybody like who doesn't really know the situation, it seems like Bob is being a really great guy. And he was being a really great guy. But there was also a very sly element of like, I don't want to say sticking it to this guy because it wasn't that harsh, but it was kind of like, it was an owning. It was sort of like letting him know that (laughs) Bob was Bob and David was David or Shingy was David, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And it was just so, so perfectly Bob Odenkirk. Somewhere in the Mediterranean, on this naval aircraft carrier, these men have been selected to write a page in military history. They are the best the Navy and Air Force have to offer. They've been brought together to form an elite squad of fighter pilots. Their mission, one of national security and international concern. These are the fearless pilots. Seems no matter what I do, I end up hurting someone. The men who command them. Pudding? No, thank you, sir. I'll do my best. And the women who love them. Charlie Sheen. Never wanted to be a horse so much in my life. Lloyd Bridges. 
Call them the best of the best. Call them... Eddie's! Hot Shots. The mother of all movies. So yeah, we're talking about we're talking, we we're talking about hot shots. Movie, yeah, we're talking, talking about 1991's hot shots, which is again, uh, I honestly feel bad talking about it when it just seems like we should be talking about the greatest Mr. Show sketches or the greatest things Bob Odenkirk right. did. Because- well, that's all you know. That's all great stuff, Ricky, and it's very important, but it has its place. Okay, <laughs> this is well, not yeah, that but hot price. shots doesn't have its place. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. It is interesting. So I definitely did not like the movie on on a, a rewatch, but I think I didn't dislike it as much as you. I mean, it is part of this. You know, it's it's definitely a, an artifact of this particular time. It's one of these Zucker Abram Zucker movies. It's one of the lesser ones, but also kind of one of the most famous ones. I mean, you have to say this ended up being the number twelve movie of the year. It made like seventy million dollars theatrically, domestically. And it only cost like $26 million. It was a huge hit. They made a sequel. You know, it has a critics really liked it. I think Roger Ebert liked it, you know, and it was very popular. It was just very much. This is one of the things that 90s culture was about is this kind of thing, you know, and it was very interesting to revisit it. Right. A kind of like spoof movie like this. Um, Well, there's a reason that like the naked gun works and there's a reason that airplane works and there's a reason for me that hot shots it doesn't work leslie nielsen is really funny the plots of both uh naked gun and airplane are almost non-existent but like exist enough to sort of keep the movie flowing forward whereas there's something missing in hot shots which is one i, th- I find charlie sheen to be just a void in this movie and i had no <laughs> idea i had no idea that two and a half men was kind of a reunion of sorts for Charlie Sheen and John Cryer. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't know I didn't know that, but I forgot about and then, that. No one in this movie, with the exception of Lloyd Bridges, is funny. Lloyd Bridges is having a great time and being very funny. Yes. He's definitely. the only he's the only thing in the movie that I thought was funny. And he's doing the this movie's version of uh airplanes, uh like I guess I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing glue. Like he has this increasingly escalating series of like war injuries that get, you know, and he's like flossing his brain with a handkerchief eventually. Yeah, I mean those all those gags land for me. I mean, not all of them, but I think several of them land pretty well. I mean, for me, my favorite part is like it cuts to him in his office and he says to his secretary, read it back to me, please. And she, and, and she, and she says, okay, if you put your goddamn hands on my wife one more time and then the scene gets interrupted, that was pretty funny to me. Yeah, but like anything good. with Lloyd Bridges was funny. He knows how to do this. Whereas everybody else seems to think that like just playing it as flat as possible or playing it as it's either like as flat or as cartoonish as possible. Yeah. Well, I think the thing you were getting to before about why the other ones of their movies work a little bit better than, than this one is like, you, it's not, you don't have to be intimately familiar with the plot of like airport in order to enjoy watching airplane. And similarly, the naked gun is just kind of generally a satire of detective shows. But like this movie is so laser focused in on Top Gun that it's like you really are. It's not it's not it's not a type of movie. It's just one specific movie, you know. But what's so interesting about that is that I am I know Top Gun, you know, like the back of my hand. I've seen that movie countless times. I grew up watching that movie all the time. And I still found this 
its references, its jokes about Top Gun to be tired and unfunny. And I think that's because as an adult, Top Gun to me now is its own parody. It's right. funny. It's, right. It exists in this kind of insane reality, like this very strange film. Uh, you don't need to like satirize because and then and it's not zeroing in on the parts of Top Gun that are that have survived into culture as being interesting or funny. It's focused on other really weird surface parts of it that who really cares? Nobody really thinks about those parts anymore. You know, like you sent me an article that someone wrote this week that uh, I think for screen rant that was like, you know, Top Gun is the last great parody movie. And I would say that like, don't be a menace to South central or even scary movie are better parody movies than, than, than hot shots. Um, I think uh, I think those movies are a lot funnier and have better jokes and are lampooning something that is more worthy of, of, of not mockery, but just lands better in that, in that context. I wonder actually if hot shots part do lands better in that context because it's, it's doing jokes about Rambo movies and generally doing Rambo movies and war movies. Yeah. And I think that kind of is almost the one people think of more because you think of him like being Rambo and having the like chicken and the bow and arrow. Like that's all hot shots part two, you know? Yeah. And you know, with don't be a menace, they're doing hood movies for lack of a better word, like of the movies of that time. And for scary movie, they're doing, they're not just doing scream. They're doing, they're doing what you did last summer. They're doing scream. Yeah. But also just horror movies in general. Yeah. And top gun is, or hot shots is just doing top gun and mixing them in with like, topical referential jokes of 1991 which and this is wait like, barely land at all like even if you know the reference from the time it's just it's exhausting to hear so the other sorry some one second so the other big thing like movie reference that's very obviously mixed into hot shots is this kind of dances with wolves frame story and from what i read this was actually tacked on at the end by jim abrams because so supposedly he said um oh you know i make movies i don't have time to see movies but then he was doing like doing test screenings of hot shots and happen and saw dances with wolves at the movie theater and then went back and filmed this frame story to put on just to like, I don't know, make, make it a, a, give it a different reference or something. Like it's completely unnecessary. None of the jokes are funny. It's like the big jokes of these sequences are that like, he's, he's called like fuzzy slippers and then he's like going out for batteries, but it's kind of like, he's supposed to be speaking in you know, whatever Navajo or something, but he's just saying like, you know, they're like in in the subtitle it says she threw me a curve, and he's saying Oral Hershiser. <laughs> you know? Oh God! You know, you know what Hot Shots feels like to me is like going back to Odin Kirk for a second. Like there's a sketch in Mister from one of the seasons of Mister Show. I think it's the first where like there Bob is interviewing uh, America's greatest method actor, who's played by David Cross, and and the bit is that he's never actually had a part in a movie. He's only been like an extra or had small parts. And, uh, you know, the, the bit ends up being that like for his next part, he's going to be in a mental institution and he got his, he got a frontal lobotomy for the part. And while they're interviewing him, he's like, you know, can't talk and it's like, you know, pooping himself and stuff. But like before that he, they're listing the credits that he's done. And he was like, he was an extra in a crowd scene. And for a year he studied crowds, just how they gathered and crowd around and, 
to play a small part as a doctor in the Mel Brooks flop, bad man, whatever. He actually went to medical school. And so many of the jokes in Hot Shots to me feel like bad man, whatever. Like, just like, okay, it's a scene from Top Gun, except somebody falls down in it. Okay. It's hey, what if they from... had parking meters for the airplanes, huh? Yeah, it's a scene from Top Gun. What if they Gun, had valets it... for the airplanes, huh? But instead, someone like catches fire and has to jump off the ship, you know, and they go, yikes! <laughs> like, it's that over and over and over again. Like, what if it's a scene from Top Gun, but like when he when he throws the bottle, like you hear a sound in the background, which is actually kind of my favorite parts of the movie is when like there's like, someone throws something and you hear like a crash and a cat scream. Yeah. Over over and over. It's so silly. And they do it many, many times. There is actually one silly joke like that, that I enjoy. And I, I, as far as I know, it's not a reference to anything in particular, but it's just like a runner throughout the movie where, somebody sits down and then there's a yelp and they take a small dog out from underneath them. And it just like, it happens in like, like somebody in a fighter jet and like Lloyd Bridges in his office and Charlie Sheen somewhere. It's just, it just, they, it's never, ever commented on. They just go, you just hear and they just take the dog out. And then that's the end of it. You know, is it fair to say that the funniest parts of the movie though, are like the parts that are not specifically referencing Top Gun. Yes, hundred percent. Like yes, we keep, you said already that Lloyd Bridges is the funniest part of the movie, but none of his jokes are specific. Are really specific references. It's just him acting like like a crazy old man, you know, and it's yeah. really funny. Yeah, which is fun to watch. Yeah, um, Charlie Sheen feels like he just woke up for every shot, every scene. <laughs> he feels like he just rolled out of his trailer. I read some Entertainment Weekly article. Um, about the where the writer had gone to the set of the this movie. And the crazy thing about this movie when you go back and read press about it from the time is like everybody's hyper fixated on the fact that this movie is quote unquote about going to war in the Middle East, which like I defy you to figure out that that's what this movie is about. But like everybody's what? that everybody's what? writing about that, but it, because operate you know operation desert storm had ha- also happened in 1991 but it was so it was like this whole huge thing all the press is charlie sheen being like oh yeah who knew when i filmed top hot shots that we'd really have a real war in iraq you know and but they were apparently like not even going to release the movie maybe because of the war in iraq but it was like ended up it turned out that the war was only like a week, a week and a half so it was well over by the time this movie came out but that's that's very weird. That's kind of a weird side note. But the the article they did a set visit when they're doing this sequence where Charlie Sheen and the um, woman in the movie Valeria Galina Galino, uh, they're like it's like they're making out, and then they're they're not just their characters; they're characters in every romance. They're in you know Gone with the Wind. They're in some uh, Rocky, and then they're also in Superman. So the writer had been, and they're like supposed to be Superman and Clark Kent and uh, Lois Lane flying over the city, right? And right. so the writer had gone to that, and it was basically like, oh, they just hated it. Everybody's being pissy the whole time. Like they're in this harness. Charlie Sheen keeps saying the harness is like crushing his nuts, and like. There and you know, um, Jim Abrams is trying to keep everybody's spirits high, but they're just like twirling around from the ceiling and they're pissy and angry with each other. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like, what the fuck? It just seems so petty and ridiculous. And also, for like such a throwaway, awful joke in the movie, all these human beings were put through physical pain, which just seems like so pointless, so pointless. 
It's not even funny. Like, what is the point? Apparently, Charlie Sheen uh, was a week out of rehab when he got the script for the movie and, and decided to do it. And his three movies before that had been bombs. They were Men at Work, Navy Seals, and The Rookie. And he says, I was pretty much flying blind. I went through a year of drinking and partying and woke up in rehab. I mean, like, this is not, this can't be the first or the last time that happened. <laughs> so it's like, I feel like if you interviewed him about any movie, he'd be like, yeah, I just got out of rehab and yeah, I decided right. to do the movie. I needed some money real quick and I didn't have, couldn't afford to be choosy. So you were talking about uh, how everybody's just trying to play things as flat as possible. And that's the performance everyone is giving. Um, yeah, Charlie Sheen is definitely doing that he's kind of a little winking but i mean definitely the person who's doing it the most is carrie elways as val kilmer so i was wondering <laughs> as a kid i always like i really love the princess bride and but then i i i for some reason i had this worry that he had never he was never he, like like care the actor carrie elways was not famous and was never going to be famous and i felt like i felt like i liked him so much in the princess bride and i felt so sad for him that he couldn't get any other good things to do so whenever i saw him in another movie as a child i was always very i was always rooting for him which is like i had this kind of warped industry perspective even as an eight-year-old like i don't know what is wrong with me but like carrie always is kind of like charlie sheen in this moment where it's like they're supposed to have these huge careers, but now they're both doing spoofs because Carrie always goes from this to doing, I mean, in the same year or around the same time, yeah. Men in Tights. Men in Tights, right, exactly. So Charlie Sheen said that, like, even in this interview that I just read, the 30-year anniversary that's on Yahoo, is that he uh, was playing it as straight as possible because he knew if he just did his dialogue, there would be gags in the background to make the movie funny. Yeah, this was something I read at the, at the time. Uh, it was like a contempt. Maybe it was this EW piece or something where they were saying like, in most comedies, the actors deliver jokes. But in a Jim Abrams comedy, the actors play it straight and craziness happens all around them. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is kind of the aesthetic of the movie, though. I mean, right? It's like everybody's being, I mean, even like Police Squad or something. That's the kind of aesthetic of it is like they're they're being serious even when the things that are, they're doing are ridiculous. Kind of. I mean, uh, Leslie Nielsen is being, is 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 doing lots of jokes in, in the Naked Gun movies. I don't really think Charlie Sheen knows how to deliver a joke like Leslie Nielsen does. Oh, you know? no, like, definitely you not. Could, no. You could call it straight when, when Nielsen does it, but he's still doing a bit. There's still a wink. There's still a joke being presented. I found, just like the whole movie, Charlie Sheen to be extremely flat. <laughs> yeah tell me i would love to hear more ricky about what it is about this movie that like because you seemed genuinely angry at this movie and i would love to hear more about what made you so upset I just, about it. i just found it irritating i just like so many jokes bombing it was just and it's it feels so desperate this is um, a movie i will say um one of my main memories of my childhood is of my dad watching this movie and uh laughing so much that he was like oh, hyperventilating basically um, and I, I don't know that I was enjoying it as much as he was enjoying it, but it was just so rare to see him having such a good time. And it was, you know, so special, Ricky, really. But tell me more about it. I mean, why. I would, I'm willing to bet that when I saw the movie with my dad at the time and my mom, they loved it too and laughed hysterically. Yeah, right. As an adult right now, I just don't know what's. Yeah, right. Every joke feels tired and lame <laughs> and, and, and underperform and poorly performed. 
and no one really seems it's like we talk about this with movies sometimes like you want to feel like someone's enjoying themselves while right. they're there while watching this movie and lloyd bridges is the only one who feels that way well this Nobody is what i was feels saying like they're enjoying themselves uh, when Leslie playing, Nielsen in, in, in naked gun feels like he's enjoying himself. he seems to be having a great time doing all these really stupid things right yeah um oj seems to be having a great time and i always love seeing that you know it makes me really happy <laughs> But this, oh. this like like the the movie we're covering next week that we just talked about tonight, like Double Impact, is a relic of this period of time where like, you know, you could make a, a parody movie. Like by 1996, right. there were straight to video parody movies, and then it was pretty much over with the scary movie movies being the last of them. I think. Yeah, and then they made you know? a, you know, I mean, they made a lot of scary movie movies, and those those became straight to video movies yeah. as well. It was really only the first three i think that were theatrical and maybe not even really the third one but yeah yeah the second one is the second one is such an interesting one that's the one with david cross right i don't remember the only thing i remember about the second one i think it's the second one or maybe it's the first one which is that it's spoofing the scream 2 where uh the character is in the bathroom stall and he's like hearing sounds from the stall next to him and he puts his ear up to it to listen and the knife uh, like like goes through the stall and you know into his head and kills him. And in the scary movie parody, Keenan Ivory or Sean Waynes is in the stall and he's hearing the sound, but there's like a glory hole, <laughs> and he's putting his ear up to the glory hole, and a big dick comes through and goes into his head and kills him. That's I mean, funny, Ricky. They just don't make them like this anymore. You know what I'm saying? The kind of classic Hot Shots, comedy. <laughs> Hot Shots doesn't feature one joke that funny. <laughs> it doesn't. Oh it doesn't. It doesn't. Oh as a dick. So, as a, well, what about Leslie uh, Lloyd Bridges putting the handkerchief through his ears? It's the same joke. It's just a handkerchief and not a dick. You know? That is not nearly as funny as someone being <laughs> killed by a giant dick in a glory hole. <laughs> You know I'm you know I'm right. You, and I know you think I mean you think I'm being crass and crude, but like just me telling you about that scene <laughs> made you laugh harder than every anything probably made you laugh oh in, in your watch. Well, it's just shots. also just knowing you and knowing how like true that is from your point of view. Like <laughs> like I mean? believe that you like you would pass a lie detector test. Yes, 100%, you know? Like you believe that that it is the funniest shit you have ever seen. <laughs> it's so much more fun to watch some, and I think stands the test of time better to watch someone make fun of, um, like hip hop culture at that time, like CB4 or like Don't Be a mm-hmm. Menace, than it is to watch someone kind of make fun of Top Gun, but also not really make fun of Top Gun, but not really have a frame with for which to stand on. You know, like like you said, the Naked Gun movies are just cop movies. So they stand on that. They can be any cop movie and it works. Right. Or just Airplane. like Law and Order or Dragnet. Just anything, you know, not even yeah. movies. And and Scary Movie can be any horror movie. Um, but Top Gun, I'm constantly just sort of like, what, what am I watching here? What movie is this? Where are <laughs> these jokes? Why am I seeing this? I mean, yeah. even to read it, it's like... 
this, you know, when I'm like reading press from the time, you know, somebody from 1991 and they're like, this movie takes aim at 1986's Top Gun. And you're like, well, what the fuck for? And that's like from five years ago. I mean, I know movies were popular for longer at the time, but it is just an odd. It's just odd. Everything about it is strange. But again, it connected with people. Everybody loved this fucking movie when it came out. Like this was a big deal. It was a big success, you know. They greenlit the sequel immediately. Like, why do you think there hasn't been like a Marvel parody movie, like a superhero parody movie? I mean, it's a good question, and I would bet you, I would bet that there are scripts out there circulating that are. And I mean, I guess that you could well, say there, there was super. There was a superhero movie, right? Because there was not another teen movie, right. and I think there was one called Superhero Movie. Oh, maybe, yeah, okay, I, but that's like it's operating at such a low like direct-to-video level. I guess what you could say is yeah, we do have movie. we do have superhero parodies, but they're um like the boys and they're Jupiter yep. Ascending and they're there was like a Disney show that was about it. And also that Amazon cartoon Invincible. Like they're not actually parodies, they are themselves also action movies, but they're just kind of like in a little bit of a warped universe. Deadpool, right? I mean yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Those are superhero parody movies, but they like they can't exist solely in the in the in in the parody sphere. They have to have their own world, right? They have to also be superhero movies. They can't just be jokes. Like, you know, it it's like it, it's like we're all having we're all having a lot of fun joking around, but I am actually a superhero, and I'm going to do this superhero thing. You know, they do all have wanna, that part of the movie. Do you want to hear something crazy about superhero movie? Yes, please. Superhero movie is written and directed by Craig Mazin. Do you know who Craig no, Mazin is? No, I don't is? know who is that. Craig Mazin is the writer uh, of every episode and primetime Emmy Award winner of the HBO hits miniseries Chernobyl. <laughs> oh, that's fucking crazy, dude. And he wrote and directed a uh, superhero movie. That is he, fucking wild, and I love that so much. That's he also amazing. he also wrote Scary Movie three and four. Wow! And uh, he wrote The Hangover Part three, two, and three. It, you're right that like a the parodies exist now, but they have to exist in a world that like fanboys can take a little seriously. Right. Exactly. It can't just be a joke. It's not just poking fun at like an origin story, or because to do that kind of thing, it's like you make all of all of the superhero stories seem like meaningless. You're saying like oh, this all this shit is all really stupid and very repetitive. Right. You know? Whereas the the parody kind of appears in Deadpool and the fucking dorks get to get boners and be like, I can't believe they're doing this in this movie. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, that my God. That's like when Wolverine did that thing. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Oh, yeah. And it's it's just so dep- it's it's almost more depressing than Hot Shots or the boys. I mean, the boys, at least what it's doing is this thing where it's it's all it's like saying like oh what if you had to live in a world that had superheroes like wouldn't that be terrible you know and like it's it's jokey but it's also very serious and is its own superhero story and then as it goes on it's like we're more and more in the world of the superheroes and all their fucking you know it just has this irresistible pull like you can't make a show that has a bunch of superpowered characters and not think they're going to end up being like you know the main part of the show they just have a gravitational energy you know 
And isn't there some like uh, social critique of the boys that that people talk about when they talk about that show? Like, isn't there something like that makes people feel special for watching it? Oh yeah, the second season had this whole thing where one of the characters was kind of like an alt right person like a, you know i never actually finished that season because i really hated that character and i hated that whole thing i mean it was it was done really well and i think the first season of that show is great and i i couldn't really get into the second season you, you know I, as much as i'm shitting all over hot shots at the very least it existed in a time where a movie could just be made without finding a way to make people feel important for watching it. It's just a bunch of dumb jokes. Do you know what I mean? It's not trying to, it's not saying anything. It doesn't have a point of view. It's just like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if there was, wouldn't it be funny if there was like a valet on an aircraft carrier? Oh boy. It's like, it exists in this period of time where it wasn't as hard to get people out of the house to go to a movie. Yeah, like, exactly. They, right. They just, they would just go, you know, people would like teenagers would, I, I bet like there were certain 17 year old, 15 year old boys who'd seen hot shots like five times. Oh, in the I'm theater. sure. Yes. But I also think, I mean, this is, you know, it's maybe give the movie a little bit of credit, but it's like, I think it's a product of a time when culture in general took itself so much more seriously. I mean, I, I was thinking about the movies we've done on this show, the movies that were kind of popular or that, you know, or that even have survived as kind of cult movies. And I, I do think one thing they have in common is they all do really take themselves genuinely very, very seriously. And I think when you are in that kind of culture, it's very easy to make a spoof movie because it's so unusual. Whereas now it's like, even, you know, like we always are talking about this, the Marvel movies, like half of them are like winking at the camera about like how silly it is that I'm a superhero. So you just, it doesn't have the same kind of impact, right? As it right, and the my, movies that and the movies that do take themselves seriously are seen by like ten people, even right. If, and so who and gives that's a when, shit? And that's when they're you know? a, that's when they're a hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like that, like, nobody fucking cares about that. Like how how well is the Sicario parody gonna go? <laughs> yeah, the Sicario parody parody is actually called Sicario Two, Ricky. <laughs> oh, hey, I've never seen Sicario Two. I kind of want to. Really, like wild that it is connected at all to the first movie. Um, it's interesting to talk about this, uh, this parody movie at the same time that um, uh, James Gunn's suicide squad is about to come out, which is, yeah. I have not seen, but is apparently really good. Um, and the whole idea behind what's good of, about that is that, you know, he comes from a trauma background and from what I'm hearing, it's the most like quote unquote original superhero movie in a long time. And it's like, great hard R crazy gory and like over the top goofy um, and apparently works really well. I mean, that's great. And, and I think that exists in the same realm that you're talking about where it's like kind of a parody movie, but it can't just be a parody movie. Right. It has to also have its own lore and, you know, buy in and has to be, yeah. has to sincerely work as its own action movie. Is there a drama that has come out in the last five years like that could be parodied in the same way that dances with wolves was parodied in 1991 mid midsummer maybe no you don't think so just the image of the woman and the flowers you know like that's maybe no. something people have seen no my parents have no idea what midsummer is okay All and right. there's no way that my parents wouldn't have known or grandparents even wouldn't have known what dances with wolves was in 1991 yeah. you bridge of spies i don't i don't know nope 
No, yeah. 1917, maybe? I mean, maybe because you could just sort of establish the one shot thing. Exactly, and it's an old-timey soldier, and it's one long shot. I mean, I can think of, like, American Beauty, which is 20 years ago. Yeah, that's not five I, years old. Yeah. No, I know, but that's the, the last English one patient. that I can, Yeah, I mean... That's the last, like, dr- big drama that I can think of that, like, it, it felt like everybody saw. Yeah, no, I think that... The English Patient, is that from... I think that that's from after American Beauty. That's from, like, 97. Is it really? Should I... Yeah, 96, 97. Dude, Maybe old, 95. That's I'm not crazy. sure. Um, I'm sure there's been something in the last 96, like, 15 96. years, but the last five, everything is so, you know, uh, like we say, there's no monoculture. So right. like it, there's, especially when it comes to dramatic movies, you know, very few people. Well, cause I feel like there's, there's teen them. movies and then there's art house movies and there's all kinds of like, you know, I don't think Bert, anything is iconic to everyone. Like there's, there's things that are iconic to some people like Carol. Like that's an iconic movie to a certain yes. class of person. And there's a certain it kind of image that you could immediately be like, oh, that's Carol, you know, Birdman, Birdman. Yeah, maybe uh, everybody hates superheroes, though. Yeah. Oh um, like I remember when I remember when SNL did a There Will Be Blood parody I mean, and I was I, and Bill Hader was doing I Drink Your Milkshake. And I remember I knew what that was, but I was thinking like, who was this for? Like, <laughs> it's for like the person that was immediately in charge of approving sketches. Like that's who it was. It was for, for like know? Bill Hader, who was like, yeah, "I right. can do this impression. Please let me do it." Oh, it'll just be really funny. I'm going to do this impression, you know, and do this thing. But this is like the thing. Like, what does it? Mean? What does the monoculture mean? Because that's a movie that's like, I mean, it won all these Oscars. You know, it it was a big part of culture in a certain way but at this you know and i do think a a million bros have seen that movie um now but like at the time that it was like in theaters right yeah it wasn't a hit in theaters what about like a knives out parody that's a huge hit is that a big enough hit to be iconic i don't i don't think so no i don't think so um do you want to do the questions now ricky yeah, sure. Let's do this. Let's, Let's get, get the, the fuck out questions. of here. Let's get out of here, dude. Um, uh, hey, so every episode we like to ask three questions about the movie. Um, and Ricky, the first one's really easy. Uh, what was your favorite part of the movie? Uh, my favorite part of the movie was when um, the dick went through the stall and killed that guy. <laughs> no, Ricky, you're thinking of Scary Movie 2. That wasn't in this movie. Uh, 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 my favorite part of the movie was Lloyd Bridges. I guess He's great. a couple He's a couple great, times yeah. Lloyd Bridges was funny. That's it. Um, for me, I gotta say, as a child of the '80s, Ricky, what's my favorite part of this movie? It's that there are jets in it, and I don't know how or in what way this movie procured the jets that are in this movie, or if they were like cardboard on top of a like bicycle frame, or like what is going on. But there are many scenes of jets on the aircraft carrier which apparently they would film on these like weird parking lots that if you like put the camera at the right angle you could just see the ocean behind them (laughs) and like that's that's what a lot of the aircraft carriers were um but why is is there a subplot in this movie about like killing the pilots in order to buy aircraft who cares it's so ridiculous it has nothing it it doesn't add anything to the movie. It doesn't like, is that in Top Gun? Like, I don't think no, so. <laughs> you know, no. in Top Gun, they're just like, want to get in the planes. Yeah, they just like flying the planes. The planes yeah. are compelling enough. 
and they do have a lot of like footage of real jets. I mean, obviously there's lots of like bad, stupid effect stuff of the jets, but they did like buy stock footage of jets flying or something <laughs> like, and I just think that's so strange. And I, a, a comedy like this definitely would not have like access to jets these days. I don't think, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like maybe there would be one helicopter, <laughs> but that is basically it. They would not have like 10 jets, <laughs> you know, like, yeah i just didn't understand again like what movie i was in for them to think that they needed to have some sort of subplot about like you know dicking over the military in order to for like weapons manufacturers to make more money like good good for you for trying but like not in this movie get out of here get the fuck out of here who cares you know what are you talking about um chris the second question that we ask is uh you know this movie came out in 1991 um all the movies are 90s you know movies that we talk about what's the most 90s thing about this movie you sounded like you were cutting yourself while you were asking me that question i think that's the most 90s part of the movie (laughs) (laughs) um no i definitely think it was um there's a sequence in this so one thing we haven't talked about you know which is maybe good we haven't talked about and please delete this if you think i come off sounding bad but like the so the love interest in this movie is valerina galena valerie galena and she's like amazingly hot to me. It's like it's she's so hot. It's like makes the movie strange because yeah. she's so attractive. And she's every scene she's in, she's like smoldering with sexuality. She's like, you know, like always wet. And she's always like saying something breathily in a French accent. It's like wild. The things that she is doing in this movie It's like way more than this movie requires. All <laughs> right. Um, but like I, one of the most nineties things about the movie to me is there's a scene. So she's the love interest and, you know, obviously she's in the whole fucking movie, just like about 60 minutes into this 90 minute movie. There's a kind of a montage of her greatest hits moments from the movie. <laughs> Some of them from like five minutes ago. <laughs> and it's like, I, it, but it doesn't come. It's, I guess you could say like, oh, that's like a meta joke, but I don't think that it is. I definitely just think it's a cool montage of her doing cool stuff. And I that's very, very 90s to me. Um, I feel like the most 90s thing about this movie is um, there's a moment where, uh, God, there's so many things that are 90s about this movie because it's constantly referencing the specific moment that it was made. Right. Yeah. Right. There's like a scene where Charlie Sheen's flying the plane and all of a sudden he's getting directions and suddenly it turns into George Bush's voice saying like no new taxes or something like that. It's just so stupid. Um, and then after he like saves the day and lands on the aircraft carrier, suddenly the camera turns into like a news camera and it says like, what are you going to do now that you've saved the day? And he says, I'm going to Disneyland which is a very specific reference to Disney commercials at that time. And it was like, just what you said when you won the Super Bowl. Every every quarterback oh, did that, right? That okay. Was right after they won the Super Bowl, they would get this footage of them saying that, I'm going to Disneyland, I'm going to Disney World. I hate it. Yeah, that 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 is 90s culture. You're dead on. I mean, that is a very specific, weird part of 90s culture that you wouldn't know existed if you weren't there. Yeah. And also like catchphrases, you know, like using catchphrases from other movies because that's to, to people in the 90s, it was just funny to say something that was in a movie that everybody else knew. 
And you're like, oh, that's from that movie. I mean, that's Yay. that's how Family Guy works, Ricky. I mean, what do you mean in the 90s? That's like alive and well, you know? I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, did I? Did you already said the 90s thing, right? Yeah. So the third question we always ask is, uh, obviously, it's been 30 <laughs> years since this movie came out. So, Ricky, like, what do you feel like we've grown out of since this movie came out? Everything. <laughs> Everything. The movie itself. Every actor in the movie. Yes. The Every our artistic choice scene. made in the movie. Yes. Everything about the movie we have grown out of. And I want to say, and I, I rightfully, I don't want parody movies. No, it's very weird. It's unnecessary. Like, I even feel at, at this point, like, nightly talk shows are not timely enough, let alone parody movies summarizing the last five years in a movie's life. But honestly, if you want to make a parody movie, do like it's you, the only person who's really good at it now is David Wayne or was when he did oh, yeah. Wild American Summer, right? Oh, because like they came together. Like that is a parody movie of just of rom-coms. Yeah, yeah. But it's a parody of rom-coms. It's not a parody of a specific rom-com and the joke of it, the jokes that they're making are not like just flat references to things from rom-coms. Although sometimes they are, they're jokes <laughs> about the kind of like the narrative contrivances of the rom-com in right, the same way yeah. that what hot American summer is a mixture of genuine jokes about being in summer camp and also jokes about summer camp movies. Right. But they're not specifically like, you're not watching Wet Hot American Summer and being like, oh, that's what they said in Meatballs. Exactly. Right, right, right. I'm like, oh, yeah. No, I have no, I couldn't think of another camp movie to continue that run. I mean, Meatballs is like the number one one. Yeah. I can't even name another major camp movie. Can you? Ernest Goes to Camp. Okay. I mean, that's kind of a parody movie in its own right. Cause it, kind it, of. Because it, it can exist without the idea already being in the zeitgeist. Like, Ernest is not, like, trailblazing anything, you know? Uh, I mean, Ernest scared stupid. Yeah, it's just, like, horror movies. You know, it's a kid horror movie for kids. I don't, don't, not, don't, don't say Ernest isn't a trailblazer. Ernest P. Warren is a trailblazer. Look, Ernest is a callow e product of the capitalist system. He's literally a character from a commercial, and he has, he's, he shows no leadership, it's disgusting. He's bourgeois, and I, I, you know, you know what I mean, Vern. Hell yeah, brother. Um, for uh, me, what have we grown out of? I mean, it's like you said, Ricky. Like every fucking goddamn thing about everything. this movie. Like, how can you? Would how? Where could you even start with this movie? I've grown out, grown of out of this podcast. Stop. <laughs> I mean, we could just He's... cut it right there. You want to just cut it right there? <laughs> We'll be right